This podcast is produced by Unedited. I cannot believe I'm here, man. Mm. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. Like, I am not supposed to be here. I'm meant to be retired at home doing what I'm not meant to be here. And like, again, I almost started crying. I could feel like tears running down my cheek because I was like, I was just so grateful. Hello and welcome to episode 152 of In The Moment with me, Alex Manzi. And this is a podcast designed to help you find more clarity in your thinking, stillness in your mind, and ultimately to experience a greater sense of happiness in your life. And having been through my own battles with depression and anxiety, I decided to create a platform to challenge the way you think, to open up your mind and invite you to live in the moment. So on this week's episode, I am joined by Darius Charles, who is not only a professional footballer, but an incredible human being. And the reason I got Darius on the podcast is because A, he's a mutual friend of a friend, um, but B, because his journey is just amazing. The last couple of years, you know, he's been faced with a career threatening injury and the possibility of having everything that he's strived for, everything he's worked for throughout his life, throughout his career, his biggest passion in life pulled away from him. And whilst going through that journey, he's had to learn how to face up to dealing with those emotions that have come up. He's had to learn how to face up to understanding who he is as a person. And it's a really powerful story that Darius has got. And he just carries it with such grace and such amazing energy. And it's just contagious, you know, and it's, it's a great, great story to hear. And, and, and Darius is just full of, you know, gems and wisdom. So, so for me, this is a very powerful episode. And during this conversation, we spoke about learning to face up and become comfortable with emotions, the impact of people around you learning through the tough times and adversity and more the aim of this podcast is to inspire so if you like what you hear in this episode be sure to share it with a friend and spread the love because that is the important thing but right now let's jump straight in and hear from darius darius how are you i'm good alex man how you been i'm very well man just trying to enjoy this weather that we've got while it lasts i suppose and yeah just do what I can do from home as everyone else is doing you know great weather we're having great weather we're having thankfully yeah, yeah thankfully it kind of, it's like a sugar coating on kind of what's happening isn't it really in terms of the situation and we are just talking before we hit record about it. it's nice to even just to be able to sit in a garden or go out for a walk in the sun and kind of just have that little moment of like oh, actually this is this is this weather's at least doing something nice for us you know yeah exactly a bit of sun always raises the mood and it so it's like Thankfully, we have it. God forbid it was, you know, a normal April and it was April showers and we'd all yeah. be really stuck indoors, you know. So, yeah, yeah just just grateful for this for this weather we're having. Exactly, exactly. And, and to kick starts off then, can you um, let the listeners know a little bit about who you are and what you do? Ah, well, so uh, 32 years of age, London, London boy, born and bred. Um, I, uh, Caribbean descent, you know, family came here. Uh, many years ago and set up shop here you know like most most parents in, in the Windrush era it was you know come here uh earn a good living and go back home they just they just missed the go back home part <laughs> and ended up ended up settling here um so yeah and I've, I've been fortunate enough to to be a, fresh, a professional footballer for 14 years now wow. still still going just about but you know a lot of young boys obviously dreamt of becoming footballers and I was, you know, blessed enough to to be able to to achieve that that goal of mine. Yeah, nice. And, and was it was it something that you always kind of strive for? Then was it something that when you were were a kid that you kind of put all of your attention and like effort and 
you know, spare time into? Yeah, it was so weird because it's like, and it's going to sound crazy, but I never really liked football. I'd like, <laughs> as a boy growing up, I, never, I was never really interested until about the age of nine, which is like really late considering, you know, how, how, how young kids are at football clubs mm. kicking around balls. Um, and I remember saying to my uncle, it's like, I really, I really like football. And he was like, no, you don't. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you, I really like football. And honestly, from the age of nine onwards, I never had any other idea in my mind as to what I wanted to be other than a professional footballer. That was it for me. There was nothing else. Mm. And what was the journey like to making it pro? Was it, was it straightforward, like straight into an academy, you know, sort of progress for a club, play for the club? Or was there lots of kind of like ups and downs and rounds and rounds and... Well, I mean, the, the, I would say it was quite straightforward in a sense. You know, I, as like I said, I didn't start till late. I think I started playing for my first local side at, at around about nine. And um, my nan would take me to the games on a Sunday. And she'd be the, she was the typical, you know, parent running up and down the sideline and that would have like orange slices at half time and that for the boys. And then um, I remember uh, Brentford uh, had this initiative with the police um, I can't remember what it was called, but they basically opened a cage in the estate and they held this tournament and I ended up playing in it. Um, and, you know, they spotted me there and said, we'd like you to, to come down to our uh, advanced camp, as it was called at the time. Hmm. So the advanced camp doesn't take you into the professional game. It's kind of, it just runs parallel to the academy. And then we were fortunate enough to play against Man United so we went up there as kids and like we smashed them like 11-5. I scored like six or seven goals. And then from that moment onwards, there was like, okay, you know, we want you to come to the center of excellence as it was called, which is the equivalent of Academy now. Yeah. Um, so from the age of about 12 to 15, um, I was in the Academy. And then there was a period of time at the age of 15 where there was, I was going through a lot at that period of my life. And then I just kind of completely stopped going to training. I didn't go for about three or four months. And um, I remember my uncle took me to training once and uh, all the parents were like, oh, why, like, you know, Darius hasn't been here for so long. What's been going on? And my uncle didn't know at the time, obviously. And then uh, he pulled me aside after training and just asked me, you know, what was, what, why, why had I not been going to training? What was the reason? Um, and there was a lot going on at home at the time. But, you know, that what, kind of what like were sparked that were going on at home. So, so, you know, my background is, you know, council estate, um, five, five of us in a two bed home. Mm. Um, my mum had me, I'm the eldest. She had me when she was really young. So she had me when she was 15, 16. And by the age of, 25 26 she'd had her third child which is which is my brother um so it's me my sister who's five years younger than me and my brother who's 10 years younger than me and at that time my mum needed real assistance mm. um, because she was working and it was difficult obviously finding childcare. so i acted as the childcare. so instead of going to training i was looking after my brother and sister yeah. um which i didn't mind doing because you know their father wasn't around and I always felt as the oldest, it was my duty to look after them. Um, so I, I ended up doing that for you know a period of time. And then it just so happened to one weekend when my uncle was taking me to training, my mom didn't have to work. So it's like, I ended up going to training and then we had that conversation and things really changed mm. from then onwards. You know, we, we 
created the the ability for me to to go to training you know every day whether it be you know getting there myself or going to my friend's house I'd have to like walk from Hanwell to Greenford to get to his house and his dad would take me to and from training um, but then at the age of 16 I got my scholarship so it was like everything I'd worked for my entire life, which I kind of didn't know I was working towards, you know, it all came to fruition. And I remember, I, I don't think I've ever been as scared or nervous at that point as a 16 year old than I had ever been before. Mm. And I mean, you know, I used to get licks growing up, you know, Caribbean parents, like I used to get bees. Like there was a lot of times I spent scared, but this was like the one thing I'd worked tirelessly for and I wanted it so bad. And I remember pacing up and down the hallway, waiting to hear the decision yeah. as to whether or not I was going to get my scholarship. So once I got the news that I was getting my scholarship, I was just, it was just, I just, I didn't know what to do with myself. Like it was just pure adulation, pure relief. And now I was really on the path to becoming a professional footballer yeah. because it's a two year window where you work towards a professional contract. So again, Fortunately enough, I got my professional contract and since the age of 18, I've been a, been a professional footballer, thankfully. Yeah, nice. And, and did that, that situation at home and, you know, what you were explaining with your brothers and sisters and your mum, did that kind of give you the drive to, to really put the work in once you did hear about the scholarship, even before, to be honest, to like, you know, make this thing that you enjoy, that you love, like a viable career and a way to offer that support to the family? Yeah, I think the beauty of my past um, is that it has created a man that has great mental resilience, real determination, a real drive and focus, and a real passion. I don't. I look. I look back on my my past, and I I went back to where I you know kind of grew up not too long ago, and it brought some really overwhelming emotions. Like even like talking about it now is like it really does like. I don't know what it does to me. It's just, there was so much pain, but there's so much like pleasure in that time as well. It was like those, without those moments, like I couldn't really appreciate where I'm at now. Mm. So it's like, I look back and I go, you know, looking after my siblings, being in a, you know, in a, in a flat that was nowhere near big enough for us all. And, you know, taking up the role as father sometimes and, you know, single parent and Nan doing it, like helping raise me because my mum had me so young, but she was working nights and then would drop me to school in the morning when she came back from work and then pick me up from school and she'd be asleep all day and I would have to like, you know, entertain myself. Like it's all these things that are just make this great journey that like I'm continuing on. So I, re I really do look back and I, I really do love those moments. I'm not saying I, I wish it for anyone else, mm. but what I am saying is that I love the life I live and without that, I wouldn't have this. So it's literally just one and the same. Exactly. And I think it's important, you know, like I was having this conversation on another episode recently about, you know, like I wouldn't change anything in my life because you know, good or bad, because at the end of the day, all of those experiences, all of those things that you feel that you go through, you know, it could be rejections, it could be massive success, it could be, you know, anxiety, depression, or, or whatever the situation is in your life, they are what shape you 
into the human being you are today, right? And that's where you take your learning from in life as you take your learnings through experience. So for you then, what, what are the learnings that you took from those times that you, you still apply to your life now, day to day? Um, one of the biggest things I take from that is I could never, ever let anyone else or the environment I in dictate to me what I'm going to do because there are so many people now that I used to look up to when I was younger that wish they were doing what I was done, what I'm doing, you know, wish they were in the position I was in. And the only difference is that they weren't, you know, they didn't have the ability to make the necessary uh, decisions or sacrifices that it took to be where I am. And that's not, you know, professional footballer. That's, um, you know, banker or lawyer or CEO yeah. of a company. You know, the decisions that you need to make to get to where you want to be. But that being said, I don't look at anyone and say, oh, you know, like, if only they would have. I'm just actually really grateful that I have the mindfulness enough to make those decisions. Yeah. And I think once you realize that, you almost take a sense of pride in the fact that you are open-minded enough and not too ignorant to continue living the life the way you're living it. And actually you have goals, dreams, and aspirations that you want to attain and you might have to change your mindset and the things you believe to be true and a lot of your ideals to get to where you want to be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true because it's like, life life as we're seeing now can change in any moment right like literally you know from one week to the next you know like the whole the whole world was kind of like in lockdown it's like all of a sudden everyone's life's like day-to-day normal and in inverted commas lives have, have <laughs> yeah. drastically changed you know so we've had to adapt to that and we've had to change and we've had to you know you're seeing a lot of people you know yeah adapting and pivoting the way their business works and people adapting their lives to homeschooling to working from home to whatever it is to to doing you know workouts at home because they can't get to the gym to, to all of this stuff and <laughs> yeah. i think what we're seeing is that you know really and truly life is something that can change in any moment right and i feel like from what you were saying there like anything you can kind of take from your past or past experience to kind of assist that and help that is like it's huge because if you have that kind of open mindset of like, okay, I'm ready for anything to happen at any time. And I'm, I'm open to adapting and changing my mindset and the way I think and the way I, my routines and the way I go about my day, then, you know, you, you're prepared for most things, you know? And I think that's important because if you don't, that's when you can get stuck in a negative mindset or in a negative space, or, you know, you don't, you can't necessarily see the way out or, you know what I mean? hundred percent. 100%. A lot of times people don't feel like they have the options or the choices. It's like they only have one way of doing something and that's the way they do it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. That's the only way they know to do it. But, you know, fortunately enough, like I said, I'd be blessed with an open mindset where I can create new options and different avenues. And instead of feeling like closed in and lacking options, I can create more options for myself, which makes my movement and the way things happen a bit more fluid for me which is obviously you know a great thing to be able to do yeah 
think it's about the the being open to the possibility of opportunity right because opportunity is not guaranteed i mean it's there but if you're not open to it then you're not going to be able to see it when it comes and, and adapt to it when it does come so i think that's that's really powerful and i think you know maybe for you particularly in like the last what year year and a half where your career's kind of taken a bit of a turn like you know those things yeah. have served you well so do you want to talk a little bit about like what you you have or when you first of all where it started and when you know and the kind of journey that you've been on in that time so the last i say two years have probably been the most powerful most life-changing most most influential um as to where i am today in terms of the growth and evolution of Darius. So um, I found out about a year ago, a year and uh, it would have been November of 2018, I believe. So I had a, this reoccurring issue when I was at uh, Wimbledon, at FC Wimbledon towards the back end of the 2017, 2018 season um, called a labral tear. Now it's something that a lot of footballers have just mm. because of the nature of the sport. And a lot of them are just asymptomatic. Like they just, they, you know, have no problems. Mine became symptomatic. So I went to see a doctor and he said, you know, listen, not much to worry about. It just is, you know, it is what it is. Yours mm -hmm. just seems to be symptomatic. And I had an injection. So the injection worked after a couple of weeks and I got back to playing. Ended up uh, going on holiday and enjoying my summer. And when I came back, uh, I was in talks to sign for Wickham. Wickham Wonder is the club I'm currently at now. So I've done a full medical, you know, MRI, ECG, CCG, OSG. I don't know, like, I don't so like, they just done so many tests and um, everything came back okay apart from the MRI. Uh, the physio said to me, you know, you've still got fluid on your hip, which is obviously a bit strange considering we've had the time off and any ailments you, you know, you would have had should have recovered by now. So that changed the dynamic of the contract that I was going to sign there. I was going to sign a two year and it ended up being a one year with an option, which is totally understandable. You yeah. know, both parties have to protect themselves. Of course. So it's a new club. I know a couple of players, Adibay, Akin Femwa, um, Marcus Bean, because they're like old teammates of mine. And I turn up and it's pre-season. So you want to, you know, make a good show of yourself. If you want to get to know the boys, whatever. And on day three, I break down. Wow. So, I've just signed as, you know, what I'm the the you know the big money signing, so to speak, yeah. um, earning a decent amount of money at the time, um, and I've broken down after the third day. Yeah. So I went to see. Uh, how how was that for you? How did that feel? Like having that, I guess, pressure on your head of like you said being like the the signing of the summer kind of thing, to to that happening three days into preseason. I mean. At that moment in time, it wasn't too bad because it didn't feel that bad. Like the actual, what I actually felt wasn't too bad. And I was like, okay, maybe a week or two, mm. I'll be okay. Not a problem. Um, but it went from one week to two weeks, two weeks to four weeks, four weeks to six weeks. And nothing I was doing was working. Resting wasn't working. Trying to like actively recover or strengthen wasn't working. Nothing was working. So I went to see a, a top surgeon now. And when I went to see him, he was like, well, you know, um, your hip's not in good shape. And I was like, well, I know that. That's why I'm here, right? <laughs> yeah. And he was, I was, you know, talking about 
surgery and he was more talking about going down the route of an injection. Mm. So, you know, him being the expert, we, I had another injection and it was a different kind of injection than I would used to be having. Normally a lot of footballers will have um, a cortisol steroid injection, which yeah. is just to help aid uh, the anti-inflammation process and whatnot. This was more of a um, lubrication and steroid injection. So it would help lubricate the hip, which is where my ailment is, um, which would aid with better movement and whatnot. Yeah. So at the, uh, we get to about October now and um, I'm back, I'm fit, I'm buzzing, can't wait to go. And I play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. I'm feeling great. I'm playing every game. I play seven games. And then last game, I played Peterborough at home. And then on the Sunday, I woke up and I was in agony. Mm. All of a sudden, I couldn't get out of bed. I just, lying down was painful. Trying to get up was painful. I was just in, I'd never felt, it was just excruciating pain. So I called the physio and I told him, and he said, okay, not to worry, just, you know, try and rest and come in Monday and we'll reassess. So came in and, uh, assessed it and he said right we're gonna we're gonna go back to see the surgeon so i went back to see the surgeon and the physio had already explained to me when i first signed for wickham that listen what you have will need surgery at some point in time we don't know whether it's a year two or ten but you will need surgery at some point in your life so i said you know so i you know i thought i understood you know what he was saying yeah um so when i went back to the surgeon i was under the you know the idea that I was going to have surgery and then I would be back in, you know, three, four, five months, whatever it takes, because I've had like three or four surgeries in, you know, in, in my career. It's to me, it's not, you know, a daunted thing. It's like, mm. oh, I have a surgery, recover, fix it, come back. Yeah. And um, he said to me after explaining what I was going through, he said, well, you know, I'm not going to operate. And I said, well, what, <laughs> why aren't you going to operate? And he explained that with hip surgery, it's very, very difficult. And the success rate is about 40%. And by success, they mean someone who doesn't need to come back within five years for a hip replacement. So it's like, yeah, so success is, you know, it doesn't sound so good when he explains what the definition of success is in in that context. And then, you know, he obviously went on to go and explain, because I've got a 10-year-old son, um, and, you know, I would love to have more kids, that I'm really putting the rest of my life, you know, at risk in terms of my, my mobility um, if I have this operation or if I continue to play football in general. Mm. So he advised me to retire. And in that moment, I just, it was so hard for me to fight back the tears. I just, it, I just, like my stomach sunk. I just didn't know. I had nothing to say. He was asking me questions and I just, I couldn't say anything because I knew if mm. I opened my mouth, I would just, I just burst into tears. So obviously we ended that conversation and the physio pulled me aside and said, well, what do you, what do you want to do in terms of speaking to the gaffer? And I just said, you know, I don't, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't have any answers for you. So eventually we, you know, spoke to the gaffer and explained that, you know, I was going to retire at the end of the season. So I've been at a club, new club for four months. Yeah. I've played seven games. I'm on good money and I'm retiring at the end of the season. I could not tell you how bad I felt mm. or how much of a failure and a letdown I felt in that moment. 
because I felt like I just conned everyone. Yeah. I had such a good relationship with the gaffer and the assistant manager who I knew from Brentford from the age of 12. Um, I, I just felt like I'd, I'd conned them and I just, and my teammates, I just felt, I just felt so bad. And from that moment onwards, it was very difficult for me to come into training. At times I would have to take a day or two off and just say, you know, I'm, I'm not well or, or mm. tell some other lie because I just wouldn't be able to bear it. I just, to go in every day, see the boys for about an hour in the morning while we're having a laugh and a joke and then watch them go out and train and stay indoors and wait for them to come back in, knowing that I'll never ever experience that again with them was just, it's just heartbreaking. It was mm. heartbreaking. I spent a lot of nights crying, a lot of nights depressed, um, scared, just trying to figure out like who I would be, like what, you know, who Darius was after football, you know, would people talk to me the same? Would they be interested in me the same way? All these things that you kind of like, because I'd attached who I was to the thing I'd done. Yeah. I didn't know who I was. It was your, your job was your identity. You were Darius the footballer. You weren't Darius the dot, dot, dot. It was Darius the footballer. That's it's, who I am. This is what I do. And once that's kind of been, exactly. I guess, yeah. in that time, stripped away from you, you sort of look at it and I guess, you know, you must have had hundreds of questions going on in your head. Oh, well, I mean, it, it was just like, it, it was, and this is why I say it was so beautiful because it was the first time I really got introduced to myself mm. and what people truly thought of me because, and I always say this, the, the way that the club treated me from top to bottom, from CEO, manager, assistant, sports scientist, goalie coach, uh, teammates, fans, the way they treated me, it was just like, that was God saying that I've put you in this place for this very reason, because mm. this is where you need to be with all you're going through. I could not have asked for a better family at the time, you know, my family away from my family, which, which they are. Um, because without them, I, without them, I would not be having this conversation with you now. Yeah. That is a, that is a fact. And I know ultimately only we can take control of our actions and our decisions, but at the same time, you need to be in an environment that can help nurture certain qualities in you, you know, and bring out the best in you. And that's, that's where I was at the time. So I remember watching a night game in about April and I just, we were losing and I just had so much like fire in my belly. I was like, if I was playing, I'd have, I'd have done this and oh, they need to do this and that, that. And in that moment driving home, I was like, I'm not done. Mm. I'm, I'm actually, I'm not done. I ref like, I am not done. I refuse to be done. I don't know what kind of capacity I can come back and play in, but this isn't how it ends. Not like, not like this, no mm. way. So a couple of weeks before the season finished, I went into the gaffer's office and um, broke down into tears again because apparently I'm a crier now. Mm. <laughs> and um, I just explained to him, obviously my regret, uh, apologized because I felt like I'd let him down. And he turned around and said to me, he said, Darius, listen, let me tell you something. You have offered more this season than I could ever have wished for. Your attitude, your character, the way you came in and, you know, kept, you know, lifted the boys and kept your, your, your attitude just like professional. Um, he said that your, your attitude is contagious. And that kind of high frequency, like 
energy that you let off, like it, it resonates with other people and it gives them what they need to get through their day, you know? Mm. So he said, you have nothing to apologize for. And he, and he thanked me. He said, you have nothing to apologize for and thank you, Darius, for your contribution. So I just went on to say to him, listen, I think, I think that I might be able to come back. And he was surprised because mm. obviously it was the first time we'd really had a, a proper conversation. And long story short, in that meeting, he just said, well, listen, you know, I'd love to have you back in the summer. And if you get fit, then, you know, we'll have that conversation as well. But just come back, do your rehab and we'll give it a go. Mm. So fast forward, it's July, yeah. first day of preseason. And I'm sorry, back. Sorry, Darius, to in. But where, where were you with the injury at that point in terms of... Obviously, you didn't go for the surgery. You, you mm. mentioned before that you, you were waking up in excruciating pain. So at this point here in, in April, May, when you were having that conversation with the manager, where were you with the pain, the injury, the kind of everything that you were physically experiencing as well as, like you said, like mentally and emotionally? So I'm in pain every day. And by pain, I'm, I'd say, not, it's not excruciating pain, but my hip lets me know that, it's arthritic every day, whether it's getting down to put my socks on. And anytime I bend down, there's some sort of pinch or pain, you know, mm. and I've, I've really had to modify how I move just in general. You know, walking is uncomfortable for me. Everyone that sees me walk, they're like, oh, like you walk with a limp. I'm like, yeah, that, that's how I walk because I just, I just don't have the same fluid movement. It's like I have to bring my leg around. Yeah. Um, so it was very, it's very, it's, it's difficult every day. I'll be honest with you. Um, and I don't like to use the word difficult because it, it, it kind of has negative connotation. So it's challenging every day is yeah. what I should say. Mm-hmm. And I have to make sure I do things like my meditation and like my stretching um, and like my mindfulness to keep my mind calm and at peace. Um, and one of the, one of the, the biggest things I've done in the summer was I went on a personal development course yeah. where you know, I completely, you know, bared my soul to all and found out, you know, who I was, what I'm capable of and how much people like, how many people loved me, had like mm. real genuine love for me. Um, so that was an incredible experience for myself. Um, in how, did you, yeah, how did you definitely. touch into that in terms of facing up to who Darius the human is and facing up to, like you said, who you are as a person? Mm, well, <laughs> it wasn't easy at first, obviously, because I'm, you know, I like to think of myself as a very logical, reasonable, um, you know, got it all together kind of person, you know, no, I know how to deal with my, my emotions. When in actual fact, I never dealt with my emotions. I just was able to push them aside or mm. had my coping mechanisms. I never actually you know, felt emotions and went through emotions. I just went, oh, that don't feel good. Let me, I'm gonna put that to the side. That's what, that's what I would do. And in going through this personal development course, it taught me to feel your emotions mm. and use them as um, a signpost to let you know that when you're in certain situations, how, why they make you feel that way? Do they resonate with you? Do they make you feel uncomfortable? Why does it make you feel uncomfortable? What is it about this that makes you feel uncomfortable? And asking myself the question why has been an incredible, um, is, 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 is created incredible clarity for me because it gives me a deeper understanding or a better understanding as to 
who, who I am. Uh, so in, in doing that, that really was profound for me. But like I said, it was extremely hard. One of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Mm, yeah, it is. Like, One of the you, hardest things. I've when you have to face up to yourself like that, particularly like, I'd say particular guys trying to touch into emotions and understand them and feel them because we feel them as guys. But like you said, the art, art, initial reaction is like let's bat them aside it's like they come and it's like it's just gone (laughs) so it's like learning to feel them and understand them is a whole different ball game that we don't generally you know generally speaking we don't grow up learning how to do and particularly I guess coming through like a sport background as well like you know I played a lot of sports when I was a kid like football like athletics all this sort of stuff and it's like especially in those environments there there is no room for emotion there is no room for softness it's like you have to face up and do what you're you're meant to be doing on the pitch or on the track or whatever it is or in the training session so yeah i think it's an incredible journey to go on man like that what exactly what you said there like learning to tap into your emotions and and learning more importantly i'd say to let them guide you i think letting your emotions guide you is you know they're there for that reason they're there for the reason of like, it's your intuition saying like, Oh, this doesn't feel good. Or oh, this actually, this is really nice. Or, and we don't, we don't listen Mm. to it. We just want to, we just want the good stuff. We don't want, we don't want to understand or hear about the bad stuff. It's, but it's a powerful experience, man. Yeah, it really is. It's so empowering. And I I think a lot of people's lives would, they would live their lives a lot differently if they were able to tap into their emotions, because, you know, a lot of the world we live in now is, you know, it's, it's very, it's very difficult to live in this day and age with social media and with, you know, the ability to watch everyone's highlight reels and you know how perfect everyone is. And it's extremely difficult to be able to express vulnerability and say, you know, I'm struggling or can you help me? Because you feel as though you're a failure if you're doing so, but we are emotional beings by nature. That is Mm. everything has emotion attached to it, whether you're eating and it makes you feel good or whether like, you know, someone hits you and it is painful and it's upset. It, like every, every action has an emotion attached to it. So it would make sense to just, you know, feel that emotion and express it so you can get through it and continue to, to be happy or content, you know? Yeah. So how did this newfound um, connection with your emotions then, like how did that help you through that summer after you've done this personal development course? How did that help you? in terms of your your rehabilitation and, and trying to get back to training and back into, you know, down the training ground with the lads? It just, it just taught me to be kinder to myself, man. Just like, cause, and I guess this is kind of like the, the thing with athletes, right? We're performance based. So it's, you know, when the outcome isn't as we would like it, it's like, we really get like hit up about it and it's the end of the world. When in actual fact, it's like, you're not going to get everything you want. And the most important thing is that you apply good habits daily because if you do so, more often than not, you'll get the outcome you want. And even if you don't, you've still learned valuable lessons along the way that should create more success for you in whatever it is you do. And and being kinder to yourself is one of like the biggest acts of love you can do for yourself you know so that would that that's the that is the biggest thing that has helped carry me to where i am now yeah yeah and i think it it helps i think even like when you just when you're just filled with that that understanding and that love for yourself it 
it does something to you in a lot of ways. Like obviously it helps emotionally, it helps spiritually, but also like physically, like if you see, you can almost see someone who, who doesn't value themselves just by the way they walk down the street, because it's like, you know, slightly crouched looking at the floor. But when someone's kind of a bit more, and it's not, it's not so much confidence, I wouldn't say, but I think it's that, that, that value for yourself, that, that self love. It's like, yeah. You walk with a bit more, like you have a bit more bounce. You have yeah. a bit more, you know, your chest is up, your chin's up. You're looking around, yeah. you're, you're observing the world around you. Yeah. And I think like we, we do forget that. We forget that like the root of anything starts inside ourselves. It's like, you know, you can't expect to, to experience things and feel things based on what's coming at you from the outside. Like you have yeah. to, you have to feel it and experience it from the inside to then like you know project it outwards like our, our world is a reflection of how we think and how we feel it's not the other way around right so yeah it's so important to, to tap into that stuff and like you know check into it um but yeah so so what was the kind of next steps then on your on your recovery so i uh, i remember um and it's so funny how you know that saying you know when you when you change the way you look at things the things you look at change and it was like all of a sudden in just changing my viewpoint going from I'm going to retire to I refuse to retire just opened up so many opportunities for me. I started having conversations with people who had the same uh, ailments. Mm. I got in contact with a guy via Instagram who had exactly what I had and still had the ability to um, train professionally because he was able to create more space and mobility in, in his hip. Uh, so, and he's a, a mobility specialist. Mm-hmm. So I started doing a program of his as well as uh, alongside what the physio had me doing. And it was just like, I just started to see, it was the first time I started to see like real results, you know, like yeah. instead of there being like these really incremental, it was, it was like, I was going from here to here to here. And I was like, okay, I'm feeling good. And it's like, I wasn't missing any days of training now. And obviously my, my workload is still tailored to my requirements because I, I just can't do what I used to be able to do, but I, I felt good and I was recovering quicker and um, things just started to fall in place for me. And you just, again, you never know how things are going to pan out. You, all you can do is make sure you stick to good habits. So we're in the, it was my last pay. So I, so, you know, I just got paid, I think uh, end of, end of July, which is, which is severance pay. So we're going into August now, the start of the season, and I haven't got a contract. I've played about an hour's worth of matches um, mm. in, in pre-season. Um, and the gaffer was pleased with how I'd done, and he said he'd offer me something. So I was, like, I was just over the moon, just yeah. over the moon. Was because, that, did you, you know, feel that was your only option as well, was like staying with Wickham, or had it crossed your mind to look elsewhere as well? I think... No, for me, staying at Wickham was the only option because we had a history together. Yeah. They understood me. Um, we, we'd already, we, you know, the gaffer and I and, and the assistant manager, we, we had a relationship and a rapport that spanned years already. So, you know, no one else would have understood me as much as they did. Yeah. Um, even, even to how they treat me now, which is something I will go into, but I would never, ever get that anywhere else. Yeah. Not for any other reason as to just because of the men that they are and the relationship we have. So I remember, um, you know, there was like, okay, we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done. They was talking about it. And it was like, I was obviously like, oh, okay, like let's get it done. Let's get it done. So 
Um, I remember signing, it was a Tuesday night game. I can't remember the game. And I remember signing it and I was just like, it was just relief. It was just, it was just relief. And it, cause it was only a six month contract, but it just gave me more time, you know, to, to find out who, who I was and what I was going to do um, with myself post football. Yeah. So I remember, right. Our captain at the time ended up leaving. And so, you know, I've, we've gone from having four centre-backs and me just literally making up the numbers. At this moment, I'm just making up the numbers. Um, but then our, our captain leaves and there's a suspension or an injury, I believe. So 10 days after I sign, we're away to Fleetwood on a Tuesday night and the gaffer's like, can you play? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. I okay, guess try. so, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I might have signed. I might as well for banter, right? And um, but again, I never really. It just. It. I don't know. It. It just didn't. It didn't sink in. So we're doing the warm up, and I'm. I'm out there. I'm buzzing. I'm on the grass. I didn't know what was good. And we go back in. We do the you know final bits and pieces, and then we walk out. And I'm like, I'm walking out in the starting eleven, on a Tuesday night away to Fleetwood. It's a League One fixture. Cannot believe I'm here, man. Mm. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. Did, like, I am not supposed to be here. I'm meant to be retired at home doing what I'm not meant to be here. And, like, again, I almost started crying. I could feel like tears running down my cheek because I was like, I was just so grateful. In that moment, I was like, if this is the only game I play, yeah, I've done it, man. Mm. I've done it. I've done it. Use me you know, at your disposal, Gaffer, I could care less because I've done it, man. Yeah. You'll fill the water bottles for the rest of the season. Oh, like, be man, happy doing whatever. That, right? I'll yeah. wash everyone's... I'll be kit, man. Whatever yeah, you want yeah, me yeah. to do. I set, my, I set my heart out to do something. It, it, despite of all the fears, all the worries, you know, fears of will I do it or not, in spite of all of that, I've done it. I'm here. And we ended up drawing that game 1-0 um, unfortunately not to win, they scored in the last minute. And I remember being really upset, like, oh, I would have been the fairy tale, you know? And then I had to catch myself and say, like, hold on a minute. You're living the dream, man. Mm. You are living the dream. So from that moment onwards, um, you know, I've played pretty much every game apart from the midweek ones because my body just can't, keep up with that workload it just takes me too long to recover you know yeah. so I can only play Saturday to Saturday and in that time I only train Tuesdays and Thursdays with the boys the rest of the week I'm doing my own specific routine and that goes back to obviously me saying you know, about the relationship I have with the gaffer and the gaffer literally will tell me there's games I'm not playing yeah just because he doesn't want me for that one game now, even though we're doing really well. He wants me for the duration of the season. Exactly. And he wants, he doesn't want you thinking about that game as a possibility. Mm. You just need to focus on, I guess, what you're doing best off the pitch, which is focusing on your recovery and getting through and making sure that you can play the game after. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a man management thing, isn't it? From, from both points of views, you know, because I feel like, you know, you see so many stories of, athletes or even just people in, in normal professional careers and it's like you get pushed too hard and it's like you know 
the mind or the body or that you know something gives somewhere along the way and it's and then you then you're in in a world of no good at all because you're kind of you know you you, you collapse somewhere along the line and it's like it's it's yeah. you're on a different road to recovery because not only are you managing you know from your situation particularly not only are you managing an injury and an ailment which is like a long-term thing but you're now <laughs> setting that back even further by hindering it by overworking it you know so it's like, and i think yeah. you know there's something in that looking at and i think again it, go, it relates back to you know what we're experiencing in life now really it's like we're looking at this this time where we're able to reevaluate the way we use our time throughout the day and how how we work and how we operate as people and we're seeing that there are different ways there are different possibilities in terms of the way we set ourselves up the way we work the way we treat our families the way we spend time with people the way we yeah. communicate with people the way we treat the the world and the way we travel and the, you know all of that stuff and yeah. it's like unless you sit back and almost analyze it a bit like what the manager's done with you he's gone right well i don't need darius to be playing every game but if i can get him to play saturday to saturday we can get the best out of him long term and it's like we yeah. don't do that we just go day to day to day to day to day to day to day yeah we just yeah. flog ourselves we just yeah. flog ourselves and and especially in 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 my industry so you know again it's a performance-based yeah. um, goal-driven thing so a lot of times what you'll find is managers will say you know have a rest and then you know they might have their bosses on their back and they'll be like well you know could you play this game or yeah. uh, you know what i mean so there's a lot of pressure but i mean that is why again i have so much respect for not only the gaffer but the club in general because when it comes to the the level of empathy mm. that they have and kindness and care for their players and everyone that's involved in the club man I, honestly i mean there's you know, at, at that particular time as well, when I was coming back, I was going for a really bad breakup. And the, the gaffer said to me, listen, if you need time off, no matter how much time off you need, take it, take it. And it's just like the fact that he wouldn't hold it against me or bring it up later on, if I wanted to take that time off, just shows that he was doing it from a genuine place because he yeah. genuinely cares and he genuinely cares for his players as human beings first and mm. foremost before you know they put on their boots and become a footballer mm. yeah that's important isn't it that human being factor again we forget that right and I, I was i was thinking exactly that just before you said it it's like he's treating people like a human being and not like a a product which is part of this machine which is yeah you know there to get the results on the pitch for the club you know it's or the yeah. business or however you know people look at it and it's fascinating and i think it's also interesting how like you know you can you can look into things from your own point of view as well and i think one of the things that i've found really helpful over the years is like you know and i can relate to a lot of what you're saying because i've had so many <laughs> and i could list off a, a thing of arms <laughs> injuries and ailments man like right now like that i'm feeling and I'm actually, I'm recording this standing up because I'm always looking at ways to increase or improve my physical health as well as like all yeah. the work I do emotionally and mentally and spiritually. And it's like, I just think it's fascinating how you can, there's so many ways you can look into it. And I, I get down the rabbit hole of like looking into too much stuff and, you know, like you know, trying to alleviate shoulder and neck pains and hip pains and knee pains. and Yeah you know tight ankles and you know all of it tight hamstrings like literally the list is endless and, yeah. but there are so many things you can do you know and it's like it's about finding the things that work for you so was there is there anything else that you kind of did 
behind the, almost like behind the scenes to kind of aid your recovery? Yeah, well, um, well, uh, definitely, like I said, being kind to myself. So not trying to push myself to, to like new limits because my body isn't in that place. I'm not a young man. Well, I mean, I am a young man, but in, in football terms, football you know, I'm not a, uh, yeah, I'm not a young man who is trying to push limits. I'm, I'm in this place of like maintenance now, you know, where I'm trying to maintain a certain level for a sustained period of time. So there was that. There was also, um, I became vegan. So I've been yeah. vegan for over a year now. Um, and that really helped because for me personally, it helped just with the weight I was carrying, because obviously, you know, the less weight you're carrying, the less force you're putting through your body. So in turn, that takes stress off the hip. And, you know, becoming vegan was, was a, a decision I made for, a, you know, a more spiritual, from a more spiritual standpoint, but it helped in all aspects of my life because it's, it really is a holistic thing, right? You know, at least the decision I made and the reasons I made it was more of a holistic thing. So it helped me mentally, you know, physically and spiritually. And I think that the food I put in my body is, is myself fueling in a optimum manner to get my yeah. body to function how best I want it to do because we really should be eating to function as opposed to as gluttony. Like we eat, kind of like our relationship with food is kind of different to, to what it should be. So becoming vegan was a huge, huge change for me. Yeah. And how was, how was that accepted um, at work in the club? Like, was it, because I know, it, you know, a lot of athletes, it's like you have a, a strict diet anyway, in terms of like, you get your carbs, your protein, you eat, you eat, yeah. you know, your certain food sources at certain times of the day to aid recovery to, you know, pregame and all that sort of stuff. So how was a shift to, to veganism accepted in, in inside the clubhouse? Well, it was funny because, my first season at Wickham, I mean, the boys are great, but there's always banner or whatever. They banner yeah, me. Um, so they call me the mango man because I eat two mangoes a day, right? And um, <laughs> I would come into lunch every day, and which would be my first meal of the day. So I'd break fast with, with mangoes. And it would start off as banner. Everyone like mocking me. Oh, he's got his mangoes again. Look at you, can't eat blah, 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 whatever, whatever. It went from that to my supplier coming down to the training ground every Thursday no to way. supply the boys with mangoes. <laughs> so, now it, so it's like, now we've created this kind of like little fruit and veg like community <laughs> at a training ground. And now at the beginning of this season, we signed Josh Parker, who's been vegan for four years. Yeah. Um, we've got uh, David Wheeler, who is vegetarian. Um, and there's a few boys that are pescatarian. So, the my teammates are very you know mindful when it comes to their nutrition in mm. terms of you know openness to to trying new things you know we've got a lad who turned vegan while you know Giles Giles um uh, Giles Phillips who we've got on loan from QPR he'd become vegan since being at the club so the oh, boys really? are very like yeah, yeah. very open-minded to you know the discussion around veganism, because obviously there's so much stigma around it. It's like, oh my God, pushy vegans, Jesus, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. But it's just, you know, we, we've really created a, an environment where everyone is, you know, everything is open to discussion. Yeah, and I think it is, it is fascinating because it's like, you know, I, I, you probably saw it as well, you know, the Game Changers documentary that everyone was watching, you know, mm. a year ago whenever it, you know, or before, it was the end of last year, wasn't it? When end of last raving. year, yeah. And there was a lot of stuff in there that people have questioned and everything. But I think ultimately, 
and I'm not saying, you know, veganism has to be the way to go for people. Like I'm vegetarian myself. It's like, ultimately you're responsible for what you put into your body. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's up to you how you want to fuel your body. Right. And it's like, some people are cool with, you know, eating meat, having your, your meat and two veg and whatever. Like my yeah. parents still, you know, eat meat willingly, you know, like, and for me, I looked into it as a, as like you said, it's more of a holistic thing in terms of like the environment and treatment of animals and everything, as well as physical health and, and looking into the, the benefits or even some of the, you know, the negatives, there aren't all, there's not all benefits, you know? So, and I think especially for athletes or professional athletes, it's, I think it's important to, to have that open-mindedness because at the end of the day, if there's anything you can do to help gain an advantage, uh-huh. then you should be looking into it right because and it doesn't and that doesn't mean like doing the naughty stuff that means like you know from a from a truthful point of view yeah and if your diet is one of those things and again it might not work for everyone you know some some people might perform better eating five bits of meat a day and some people might perform just eating fruit you know of course it, you have to find those things for yourself and that's uh, that's why i think it's really fascinating to hear you know from a from an inside perspective that that athletes are starting to have a bit more open-mindedness about that because I think that's that should be one of the first things you look at is like what am I putting into my body mm-hmm. that fuels yeah you know the outcome which is the energy that you can put into training to matches to your concentration yeah. levels to whatever you know yeah I mean there's in this day and age there's there's far too much information out there now for you to just continue to be ignorant like ignorance is just it's, it's not a good enough excuse nowadays yeah. you know and another another problem is that People only tend to change things when something's going wrong, as opposed to going, yeah. okay, I'm good now. Could I be better? You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in good health. Yeah. Could I, you know, be in better health? But we tend to, as human beings, just like, oh, things are going all right. And, you know, they're okay. And then it breaks down and be like, oh my God, I've got to do the, you know, so it's like that thing of, yeah, like I said, like proactive as opposed to, to reactive, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because I, I do like a lot of uh, like stretching and mobility work and, people always saying to me things like oh well you know isn't that for like old men to be trying to like make their bodies more mobile i'm like well no because like i want i don't want to get to an older age where i have to start doing it i want to start doing it now so that when i do get to that age i already have a certain level of mobility but i will continue to do it because at the end of the day like what i'm doing now is going to shape my future in a way so it's yeah i think it's it is important to kind of look at those things and go right well how can I, and I think you said it really beautifully there in terms of like, okay, I might, my health might be good. What can I do to help, you know, increase that more? Because like, it's not yeah. just about, you know, it's like you said, it's maintenance, isn't it? It's like, what are the yeah. little tweaks you can make? Like if you've got a nice car, for example, right? People make tweaks to their car all the time to make sure it's still running fine. Mm-hmm. And you might fill the oil up or you might, you know, put the water thing in the windscreen wiper thing yeah, and you might you know or, you know or, you know yeah. clean the wheels so that they they turn smooth or whatever it is you know it's yeah, like fix disc brakes or alignment yeah. and all of them think yeah exactly we don't do that with our body we wait till we've got the flat tire and then we go oh i should get i should get a new tire <laughs> yeah exactly, <laughs> oh, oh wait i should exactly. change my windscreen wiper wash stuff as well oh i should put the oil in as well while i'm here it's, it's like it's so stupid it's like i remember listening to um not listening to it, I read it in a book and I can't remember the book, but it was just put so brilliantly and so simply. It's like the way we treat our bodies is like, uh, you know, when people, for example, we're driving our car and we've got next to no petrol and we're like, oh, but I just don't have time to like put petrol in my car. That's how we treat our bodies. It's like, well, you're going to have to make time for it because you're going to break down. And when you break down, you're going to need more than a than fuel. You're going to need your discs done, your brake pads done, your steering wheel, your alignment. Yeah. But that's how we treat our bodies. Like we get, we allow 
life to get in the way of actually mm. living. And we make exactly. all the excuses as to why we can't take time for ourselves, or we can't eat better or we can't do a little bit of exercise because we, we live in this world where it's like, if you can't have the end result now, then we, there's no point working towards it. But it's so funny you bring up the like old age thing because honest to God, may you strike me down now if I'm lying. One of my biggest goals is to be mobile while I'm old. I yeah. love going out and seeing old people who are out shopping. Like my nan still drives. My nan still does mm-hmm. her own shopping. Like I see, you know, grandparents in their 70s, 80s, like running around in parks with their grandchildren. I mean, that is, that to me is just like, you've completed life, man. Mm. You've it's, completed I mean, life. Bubble. Exactly. And I was going to yeah. say, especially I guess because of where you were and, and, and you had that, the potential of that not being a, an opportunity for you with, with your hip and stuff. And it's like, you know, as you're saying that, it makes me think of my, my nonna, like she's 80, she's going to be 88 this year. And she wow, still goes out every her. morning to attend her garden. Every day she's out there with the flowers, with the plants, growing her vegetables. And I think, you know, we forget that actually, you know, although she's 88, she's, in, you know, pretty good, you know, Nick for, for, yeah. for an old age pensioner, essentially. Yeah. And it's those things that she does to keep active are the things that are also keeping her healthy. And it's like, if you look at, um, I don't know if you if you've looked in or know anything about blue zones and like blue indigenous zones. cultures is like yeah. old people have such a big you know the, the point of blue zones is that um, I can't remember exactly how many there are in the world I think it's like five or six blue zones yeah. where people live for the longest amount of time generally and speaking the average age yeah. exactly and the whole point of that one of the, the theories behind it is that is because old people are such a big part of the culture in terms of they're part of the community they're still active they still have emotional connections with people and it extends a person's life because they are like that and that's for me why i'm like well if i can do little things now like you know hopefully by the time i get to 60 70 80 then you know i can hopefully be in a position where my body is more mobile than it would have been or it could have you know what i mean so it's like yeah it's fascinating man it's so good it's and just just to reiterate on the point of like you know those little habits that you in you employ now it's like the Great Wall of China wasn't built in a day. The Sistine yeah. Chapel wasn't built in a day. Like Rome was not built in a day. Like yeah. you had a, you had a, someone had a goal, a vision, an idea, and they just, you know, done something, you know, every day, just a little bit every day, every day, every day. And then by the time it was finished, you look back and you have, you know, a, one of the seven wonders of the world, however many there are, and you have a, you know, something that stands to this day and we idolize as one, like a beautiful, it's just like, these things don't happen overnight. And exactly. it's not necessarily, yeah, you set the end goal and then you work backwards and go, what are the little steps I need to take to get there? Exactly, exactly. And you, you've been doing something interesting. I think you started this week, right? With your, is it a watermelon fast that you're, you're doing? A watermelon fast, yeah. 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 So what's, what's the idea behind that? Where did the kind of inspiration come from? So again, Josh Parker, a teammate and good friend of mine, he's been vegan for four years and he's practicing to be a holistic doctor, oh, wow. um, which is incredible. And uh, he'd done a three-day water fast, which I didn't partake in because um, he told me like the night before. He literally messaged me the night before. He's like, oh, I'm doing a three-day water fast. Are you in? I was like, yeah. no. Um, but then he decided he wanted to do, uh, you know, he, he wanted me to join in on, on this seven-day watermelon fast. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely on it. And the, the reasoning behind fast in particular, like if you go back in any, you know, culture like, uh, they used to fast yeah. you know obviously ramadan is a fasting you know ceremony or celebration and it's like the the main benefits from fasting is that your body gets time to rest really rest 
um, replenish itself and recover. Yeah. In this society, we don't give ourselves our body time to rest. You know, it takes 12, 12 hours to digest a meal. So if you're eating three, four meals a day throughout the course of a day, instead of your body having the opportunity to maybe repair like, you know, muscles that may have like a bit of wear and tear in them or, you know, send vital minerals or nutrients to your brain to help it function properly. It's spending its time digesting, metabolizing mm. and getting rid of food. Do you know what I mean? And it's just, it's just in a vicious cycle of continuing to do that. So there's certain things in your body that never get replenished and revitalized as they need to. So you're giving your organs a rest. Um, you're creating new neurological pathways in your brain, which is proven just through intermittent fasting alone, you know, mm. which staves off things like dementia and Alzheimer's, which is something that's prevalent in my family, yeah. which is why I intermittently fast and have done for about three or four years anyway. And then watermelon specifically has, um, you know, a lot of vitamin A, vitamin C, a lot of B minerals, which are all essential minerals for our body to help yeah. repair, recover, replenish and whatnot. So, and aside from all of those benefits, it's a great mental challenge. Yeah. And it tastes nice. <laughs> and I mean, it tastes amazing. It's, it yeah, tastes yeah. amazing. No, it is. It's, it's funny that you mentioned a water challenge because I did one like, must have been when was it uh about a year ago maybe a bit more than a year ago i did a uh 48 hour one how was it and it is it's a it is a really big challenge because you know for all of the benefits that you mentioned but from the mental side of things it's like you <laughs> you're sitting there and you're like you know you haven't eaten for over 24 hours and you're like oh man i just <laughs> just put that biscuit in my mouth and you know yeah <laughs> but then you're you, you're reminding yourself actually no th this is the reason i'm doing it i'm doing it for all the things that you mentioned you know and it's like reason, yeah. it is it is tough man but it's it is i felt great after like for for like so after i broke the fast so it took another 24 hours so some people experience like this intense high during the fast yeah so like they normally i think it's day two or three if you're doing like a, a slightly longer one but i didn't experience it during the fast but then 24 hours after i broke the fast i just had this day where i was just like I just felt like Superman. I can't even okay. explain it. I just had like clarity. I had so much energy. I had like, I got up, I went to the gym. I smashed like a gym session, like went to work. I was like on fire. Like everything was just <laughs> flowing, like unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, I think because of that, I think it was those benefits of, you know, doing the fast and allowing your body to reset, replenish, you know, and all of the things. And yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible challenge. And I actually want to do another one again soon. Like, cause keep talking to my friend about it and he's like, oh let's do let's do one i'm like let's mate start with a 24-hour one like 48 yeah, let's, yeah hard baby to go steps. straight in with baby like, steps. let's do yeah. a 24-hour one or we'll do one like now it's probably a bit easier because of like the lockdown situation but we'll do it we'll do it together so we have like accountability partners and stuff yeah for sure yeah but it's sick because yeah if i the water if you do another like watermelon or anything like that like let me know and i'll i'll take we, part for sure man I'm we have got a We've got a, um, I believe, a three-day water fast coming up. Maybe the yeah. beginning of May, I believe, yeah. we're, we're, we're looking at. But yeah, but I mean, it, there needs to be enough time for me to really enjoy some food between this fast yeah, yeah. and and yeah. the water fast. Also, I've never done a water need, fast. You need to lead into it as well. Like you need to slowly take um, certain foods out of your diet in the days yeah. leading up, and then obviously on the other end, you need to. You can't just go straight back in and have like a pasta no, yeah. or something you have to you know i think like one of the first things you can eat after a fast is like just like an avocado and some nuts or something it's like yeah 
Yeah, because your stomach's shrunken as well. So it's like you don't even you don't even have an appetite to eat you mm. know, as big a meal as you would you would normally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and outside of work and 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 everything else, like how's your how's your personal life changed for all of this? Because you mentioned that you've got a son. Like how how has your kind of this newfound relationship with yourself affected you know that relationship with your son and other people in your life? Oh, I mean. This, oh, I've realized coming out of the back end of this and the relationship I was in at the time that I really, really neglected my son. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, you know, it pains me to say that because it's, it's never nice to say it out loud in here. But, you know, the beauty of it is once I acknowledged that was what I was doing, I was able to, to change my behaviors. So my son and I have such an incredible relationship. Yeah. It, honestly, I just... I am so blessed and fortunate to have, you know, the boy I have. He's inc- he's intelligent, he's kind, he's caring, he's empathetic, he's loving, he's super talented, you know, and I just, <laughs> and a lot of the things I used to dislike in myself, as a parent, what we tend to do a lot of times is we will get frustrated with our children because they're displaying the behaviours that we had that we don't like about ourselves. Yeah. And... I had to look at that and go, well, hold on a minute. Now I'm being kinder to myself. If I recognize that is a trait of mine's, then it's okay for it to be a trait of his too. Because, you know, I'm doing okay. You know, I'm a you know, relatively successful guy and I like to live the life I lead. So, you know, let him, you know, live the life he leads. And my job as a parent, I truly believe, um, is to create an environment that your child based on their abilities, talents, and personality can thrive in. I don't think it's, I, don't, I, I honestly believe, you know, you walk side by side of your children. You're not in front um, of them telling them what to do and where to go. You lead by example, for one, mm-hmm. because you cannot expect them to do anything that you don't do. It's just, it's, it's just impossible to do so. And secondly, you, they have their own life to live. Their life is not your life. You can help instruct them. You can help give them choices and options. But ultimately, they have to live their life for them because we're not going to be here forever. You know, I like to think, you know, he will go on to live an incredible life while I'm not here. But he will grow up to have a partner and, you know, a whole other family. And he Mm. needs to know how to deal with that, you know. And living under my shadow isn't going to allow him to do those things. So he has to really go and live his own life. Now, are there bits, are there places where, you know, I'm like, okay, no, this is, I'm dad, 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 you have to do this because I know better and I know exactly what's going to happen if he does something. But even so in those moments, he still has to learn the lesson. You know, that's why he goes to school to learn lessons. You know, they don't give you the answer. They give you the tools to be able to come up with the answer yourself. That's why they say to you, you know, show me your workings out. Mm. Show me you have the tools to do so. So there you go, son. Show me the workings out. Here are the tools to deal with that situation. Now, whatever you get from that situation is simply feedback. Was that good? No. Was it bad? No. Okay, then I'll do it this way or I'll do it this way based on the feedback I've got. So that's, for me, is like the valuable lesson I've taken back from this in particular yeah and i think as well like you said learning is individual right and it's about like you said if you if you give someone the answers you're actually doing doing them an injustice because they don't 
have the experience in trying to figure those things out for themselves. And I think that's where a lot of learnings in life come from. I think we touched on at the beginning as well as like experience. And it's like, for me, even the way I approach like coaching work, for example, is like, I, the way I see, see a position of like a coach or a parent or anyone who's trying to help someone grow is that position of like, well, I'm not going to give you the answers, but I'm going to help you find those answers within yourself because you have them you have the tools available to you because we all have the same tools available to us pretty much. So you can try and see these things for yourself, but you need to do the workings out. Like you said, you need to do the workings out to, to, yeah. to, to stumble a little bit or to make a mistake to then go back and, you know, come up with the answer. And it's like really and truly in life, there are, there are no right or wrong answers. There yeah. is no right or wrong. There's just simply feedback. Yeah. Again, we attach, you know, good or bad, right or wrong to certain things. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, you know, was the, was, was the incident that happened when I was 12 as a kid, you know, good or bad or, or at 15, sorry, was that good or bad not going to training? Well, I mean, all of those things culminated in me being a professional footballer for 14 years. So maybe if I hadn't missed those four months, I may not be in this position. So it's yeah. like good or bad is never really complete because life just goes on. And the moment you're in now isn't the moment you're going to be in tomorrow or five years down the road. So it's like, we can't get caught up in the here and now too much. Although it's all we have, you need to understand that like, you know, these moments will fade just as the good moments do the bad moments pass as well. So it's mm. like, you know, you just weigh them both up and kind of help it allow you to navigate life a way which works best for you. Exactly. It's like every, every state of living is temporary. And it's like, as long as you can understand that and accept that, then, you know, you can, you can get through most things, right? No matter what your your personal outcome or answer is, like that's I think mean, that's a that's been a big learning for me. And if we if we could go back and speak to a fifteen year old version of you, what three bits of advice would you give yourself to start doing from that moment? Oh man, I'll be honest with you, I never really liked that question because I always think to myself, I'm happy where where I am right now. What would I do? What would I? What advice would I give? to myself i'll tell you what i think i don't think i would give myself any advice i think looking back at 15 year old darius i think with all the knowledge i have now mm. it's my duty to be that person for someone else i don't think it's for 15 year old darius to have new information or be given something i think it's for adults like myself uh, people like yourself who you know have such knowledge and wisdom to pay that forward to those yeah. that need it. You know, that, that, and that's truly what I believe because 15 year old Darius was doing the best he could with everything he knew. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it doesn't matter what you would have told him. He was going to do what he wanted to do anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, true. but knowing 15 year old Darius gives me a better understanding of how to talk to 15 year old Darius or Dave or Ryan or Nathan or, or whoever. So now I know that it's my job to have those conversations in the manner in which it resonates with them for them to do things and, and get to where they want to be quicker than having to wait to your 32 to find out who you really are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. But I think even still, even if you're on that path now of, and you're 32 or you're 65 or you're 44, whatever it is, or 15, like if you're on that path now, 
to to find out more about yourself it's it's a good path to be on no matter like your age no matter where you are in life no matter your situation i think that's you understand that the the journey you're on is actually the destination that you're living right it's like it's not the other way around it's not you're not trying to get to a destination you're trying to enjoy the journey being the destination yeah yeah no so true true. (laughs) i I got one more question for you darius before we go then what does happiness mean to you does happiness mean to me i i believe happiness is living in your purpose i think when you live in your purpose it gives you a sense of direction it gives you drive it gives you focus it gives you energy and just overwhelming feelings of content joy and fulfillment i I truly believe that is what happiness as a definition is because you, you see it all the time, you know, we spoke about people in blue zones. Um, they have a purpose. Those old people yeah. have a purpose. And you see a lot of times when people don't have a purpose, especially in their older age, they feel like defeated. Like they feel like there's no more need for them to live life, which mm. is, you know, a, a, a sad thing. So I honestly think when you're living in your purpose, you are in a true state of happiness. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny you said that because I literally, I, I recorded saying on my Instagram story today about that. I was, I sent a message to someone about the difference between having a purpose and living with purpose, Mm. because having a purpose to me means that there's something out there that is your purpose that you have to go and figure out and find it and it will bring you happiness. But Mm. when you live with purpose, as you said, you live with that feeling of clarity, with that feeling of happiness. Yeah. And there's a big distinction between the two. And I think we often get confused which one we're trying to do. We often try and live by having a purpose or trying to find our purpose instead yeah. of living with purpose. Oh, I love yeah. that. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love so that. It's a, that's a great way to round it off on the little yeah. full circle like that, you know? Um, oh, man. So let Darius, I fully appreciate the time today, man. It's been a wicked conversation. Um, I wish you all the best with the rest of the season if we ever get back to it <laughs> or next yeah, season, whatever it, may, wherever, yeah. wherever it turns out to be <laughs> at this minute. Um, and just yeah. moving forward as well, man, I'm sure you're going to do great things, you know, in inside and outside of football and everything else. So fully appreciate it. And, and to let people um, know where they can keep up to date with you online, where's the best place they can find you? Um, well, I mean, I, I, would, I would go to Darius the Life Coach on Instagram um, because that's where again i'm living in my purpose you know but equally they can follow me at everybody underscore loves d which is my football account you know so either one of those you know go to and have a laugh or learn something insightful yeah yeah follow your watermelon challenge (laughs) follow my watermelon challenge see if i've died or (laughs) well awesome man this has been great thank you thank you so lot man it's been pleasure oh no my pleasure alex you take care okay So there we have it. I really hope that you enjoyed that episode with Darius. It's a very fascinating conversation. And like I said, there's so many amazing points and gems to pull out of that. You know, the way that he's dealt with adversity in his life, the way he's had to admit to facing up to himself and his emotions is just incredible. And then that last final bit about, you know, happiness and purpose, I think is a a great way to round off that conversation. So I really, really hope that you enjoyed that episode. I could take something from it. And if you like what you did here in this episode, then please be sure to leave a review. And even better still, hit the subscribe button so that you get the latest episode straight to your phone. And if you know someone who you think would benefit from hearing this episode, then be sure to send them the link or a screenshot because it's important that we continue to spread the positive vibes and messages of episodes like this. 
You know, I started this podcast to help inspire a positive change and you can also be a part of that by sharing the love. So as ever, you can hit me up on Instagram at I am Alex Manzi. If you want to say, hey, if you've got any questions, if there's anything you want to know, understand more or whatever it may be, you can find me there. But until then, thank you for listening and I will see you for the next episode. This podcast is produced by Unedited.